This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania back with another positional breakdown. This time, quite arguably the strength of this team, the defensive line. The Jets made a lot of investments in this position over the offseason and built upon an already solid unit. Um, so I guess we'll just hop right into it. Michael, what are your overall thoughts on this Jets defensive line? Yeah, this is without a doubt the strength of the entire roster. And while that has been the case in most seasons, recent seasons for this team throughout the past decade, this unit is different because the strength of the strength, which is this group, is pass rushing instead of run defense. And I think that is going to make a lot of difference in terms of how it helps the rest of the defense because run defense is great. It's not useless just because the jets have been bad while they've been good at run defense. doesn't mean run defense is useless. Run defense is really important, but it doesn't necessarily benefit the rest of the unit as much as pass rushing does because, you know, when you can rush the passer, it makes, makes it so much easier for the rest of the unit. You don't have to blitz as much. Um, the coverage doesn't have to cover for as long. Um, so it's it has a lot more positive impact on the rest of the group. So I feel like it's going to be even better than some of the units we've seen, such as in 2015, even a couple of years ago, 2018. Um, I feel like it, this unit is a lot different. It, it's still great, but in a much different way uh, than some of the units we've seen in recent years. Definitely. I, I definitely, they emphasize the pass rush. Um, and that was kind of a theme of Joe Douglas's offseason was protect the quarterback and get after the quarterback. Um, and it's tough to pinpoint an exact starting lineup, which isn't necessarily due to a lack of talent. It's just how exactly do the jets want to use these guys? So I guess we'll go through what I would say are the top six defensive linemen on this team. We'll analyze the depth a little bit, and then we'll do some, some overarching questions about the position group. Um, but let's just start with, with the incumbent. And at this point is, is one of the longest tenured jets, which is just crazy. Um, given how young he still looks, but Quinn and Williams, who was a player going into last year was an X factor. I mean, we talked about it a lot in this podcast. Can Quinn take the jump? I think he had a solid rookie season, but it wasn't a spectacular rookie season. It wasn't a rookie season where people would say, well, damn, that's the number three overall pick in the draft, which is often the case with um, young defensive linemen. And I think he was a good reminder and I think this is something that pertains to, to the quarterback the Jets just took in Zach Wilson, that sometimes it takes a guys a year. And I think that's even more true with, with defensive linemen. Um, but with Quinn and Michael, what did you see from him last year and how impressed were you with, with the jump that he had? Yeah, it was a really impressive 
second year jump. He looked like the guy that the Jets thought they were getting, which is a two way force, an elite run defender and an, an elite pass rusher. Um, in his rookie season, he was a good run defender. He was above average, but his pass rushing was probably slightly below average. Um, and this year he went up a few tiers in both phases. His run defense, he was maybe maybe the most disruptive run defender at the position, or at least in that discussion. He led interior D linemen in run stops per game. Um, and in terms of pass rushing, he wasn't quite at that level, but he was still a top 10 to 15 guy at the position. And over the latter half of his season, his last seven games or so, he was top two, top three, right up there with Aaron Donald, Stefan Tuitt, Grady Jarrett, those guys. Um, so he even showed in-season progress last year, um, as much as he showed year-over-year progress from rookie season to, um, to the second season. Um, he even showed in-season progress from the first half to the second half of the season. Um, his games against the Raiders, Dolphins, um, those games, and the Chargers, that stretch right there, he was really good as a pass rusher. Um, and in terms of his pass rushing, um, I did a, a breakdown charting every single pass rush rep that he had in the 2020 season, went back and tracked every single one and looked at his production by his alignment, um, the offensive line matchups that he faced and his move types. And I found a few interesting things. So first of all, one of the biggest things is that he performed a lot better as a three technique than he did on the inside when he was at three or four eye technique. So on the outside shoulder of the offensive guard in the B gap, uh, he did better there than when he was in the A gap playing over the center or over the inside of the right guard at two eye or one tech or even nose tackle. Um, he's more productive as a pass rusher on the outside. Um, and Jeff Ulbrich did say in flight 2021 that Quinton's going to be playing a lot of three tech. And that's a great sign for him based on the way he played last year. He was much more effective as a pass rusher out there. Um, and in terms of his moves, what I found was that his finesse game really took off this season as a rookie all he really had was the bull rush he wasn't able to combine moves he didn't have counters um if his initial plan didn't work he's getting shut down but this year he had answers when his first move wasn't working um he was able to chain moves together sometimes even three moves he would chain together to get a win uh he was really impressive from a finesse perspective he added the rip move the rip was by far his favorite move um, club, forklift, swipe. He was doing a lot of different stuff and chaining it together too. So um, the finesse game really took off. His performance on outside moves and inside moves compared to just straight up power moves was a lot more effective this season compared to last year. Uh, so he's a complete player, run, run game, pass game. Um, and then in terms of pass rushing, the guy, we know how strong he is. He has, you know, clear power but now he has finesse too. So he's a complete package and I'm really excited to see how he can continue growing. Uh, yeah. His development was absolutely crucial um, to fast tracking this jets rebuild, not even fast tracking it, just giving confidence. Uh, I guess I would say if, if he didn't pan out, I would feel a lot different about this team heading into this year, but the jets have a legit difference maker on the defensive line. Uh, and I think they might have another one in Carl Lawson, but this is a legit homegrown um, guy who can really wreck an entire game. I mean, any defensive player, when we had Mike DeVito on, I think it was last year, I mean, granted, he is a defensive lineman. He didn't play a lot in the interior, but he just did talk about the importance of how interior pressure can just completely wreck an offense. And I think we saw Quinnen start to blossom into that 
Um, coincidentally enough, I, I would say his breakout game was, was against Robert Sala, his future head coach. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how the scheme might benefit him uh, a little bit more. But uh, the jump that Quinn made was absolutely necessary. And I have to be honest, I, maybe I was doubting him a little bit. I think just the history of, of draft picks not panning out for the Jets and especially McCagnan draft pick. I wasn't too confident after year one. I was like, I think he's going to be a solid player, but is he going to be a difference maker? Is he going to be worth that third overall pick? Um, but I mean, man, did he prove the doubters wrong? It's one year. He still has room to grow, but um, absolutely huge for the Jets to have that type of player. And I think he's already at least a top five interior defensive line lineman. You could probably make an argument he's top three. Um, and I think this year it's you focusing on, I mean, Aaron Donald's in a different stratosphere, but I think he, he can definitely solidify his case as number two. Um, but the Jets made another move at defensive line, which I think was a, a bit surprising. And we'll stay on the interior here a little bit. Sheldon Rankins was a guy that I, I don't think any of us had even talked about. I don't even think he was on the Jets X Factor offseason simulator. I mean, he was just a guy who came out of nowhere. Uh, and I really, really liked the signing after, after it happened. What was your initial reaction to the signing of Sheldon Rankins? And what does he bring to this defense? Yeah, I, I was definitely surprised. I think we both talked about it um, during free agency uh, because it, it wasn't a need. It was obviously still the great, as, as strong as it looks right now, the interior D-line, it was still the biggest strength on the team at that point. So it was surprising, but now that we know sort of what their goal is defensively, it makes a lot of sense that they just went all in on beefing up this pass rush as much as they can. And that's what Rankins brings to the table. Not necessarily the run defense, not a huge playmaker in that phase, um, but in the passing game, very effective. Consistently puts up above average pressure rates uh, has a really good blend of power and sort of like McQuinnon was able to put together. He Rankins has power for sure, but he has moves too. Um, he can beat you with the swim move. He can beat you with the rip move. He's got a lot at his disposal. So he consistently is a very efficient pass rusher. Uh, he's sort of taken a step back from the peak of his career from 2017 to 18. Uh, but the thing about that dip is that he was just getting more playing time and he was healthier and he's putting up, bigger volume numbers over those two seasons the past couple of years he's just been hurt he's played fewer games and when he has played the saints haven't had him on the field as much so his volume numbers have gone down in terms of total sacks and total pressures but the efficiency of how much he's getting pressure on a per play basis hasn't really changed that much the past years he's been just as good as he was so it's just about getting playing time and staying healthy which he's probably not going to get a ton on this defense because there's going to be so much rotation and there are so many players, so many mouths to feed, but the efficiency is still there. That's the most important thing. So once he gets on the field, however long it is, however many snaps he gets, he's going to pass rush efficiently and be another good weapon in the passing game for them. Yeah. And I do like the concept, especially if you have the depth to do it of just keeping fresh bodies in the defensive line, continually rotating them just so you don't have that fatigue that sets in, um, you know, in the third quarter, once you get into the fourth quarter, the jets can constantly keep it fresh, have different packages out there. So I do think Rankins is certainly going to have a role. And I think he'll definitely be subbing in and out with the, this next guy, friend of the podcast, John Franklin Myers voted the jets most underappreciated player. And I think you can certainly to attest to what he brought to this defense last year. Yeah, John Franklin, uh, talking about pass rushing, Franklin Myers is the epitome of that, not just on this team, but in the entire league. He's the prototype passing, passing game first interior defensive lineman, third best pressure rate 
at the position last year behind Donald and Stefan Tuitt. Um, he was just a pressure machine. And, and we've talked about this a lot with him, even though the sacks weren't there, like there wasn't much he can do about that. He was winning. You look at the wins he was getting as a pass rusher. He was dominating people all season, just quick wins, instant wins. And the fact that he didn't get sacks was just a matter of, you know, particularly not having an edge rush to prompt quarterbacks to step up into him. But in terms of what he can control, he was dominant last season as a pass rusher. Um, You sacrifice a little bit in run defense with him on the interior. He's only 288 pounds. Um, So he struggled a little bit in that phase. He can get moved around in the run game, but he more than makes up for it with the pass rushing. He is a fantastic interior pass rusher who just gets off the ball so explosively, has a great swim move a great club move, just is able to hit the gap really quickly. Uh, So fantastic, another fantastic weapon in the passing game. And it'll be interesting to see whether he stays on the interior, how many edge reps he gets, Uh, but either way. And and because we saw it in his rookie season too, when he was playing five tech, playing defensive end, he still rushed the quarterback pretty well, not quite as well as on the interior, but still younger player. Uh, and he was younger at that point too. You're right. Um, that, that was only his rookie season. So who knows? And we haven't seen him really do it into. since. Yeah. And we haven't seen a ton of it. So who knows what he could have grown into right. in that role. Um, but either way, you're getting a great pass rusher in John Franklin Myers. Well, we'll certainly touch on that topic a little bit later in this podcast, but continuing with just the player breakdowns, just the brief player breakdowns. Foley Fodakasi is a guy who I'm, very curious how the Jets are going to use him. I don't think he's an ideal scheme fit. Again, something we'll, we'll touch on a little bit, but can you just talk about what Foley Fodakasi brings to a defense, particularly in the run game? Yeah, I feel like, and we'll talk more about his scheme fit a little bit later, but in terms of Foley's strengths, it's clear where they lie. He's an amazing run defender. Uh, he's His tackling is great. Um, he's, he's a good feel for when the back is going past him and he knows – when to peel off of his block to make the play the penetration he gets off the ball is great um and it all starts with the snap timing i feel like he's really good at timing the snap and he gets off the ball creates a lot of penetration on centers uh and blows up a ton of plays that way um his run so his run defense is great but i think an underrated part of his game is his pass rushing he's not a good pass rusher um i think i should put that out there but he's good for a nose tackle because most most guys who do what he does, who play mostly on rundowns, who are out there just for their run stuffing, who are you know big, burly guys like him, do nothing in the passing game. Absolutely nothing. There are so many defensive tackles in the league who will put up like less than 10 pressures all season. Um, so many nose tackles in that role. Um, but him, he actually does a little bit of damage. He had a couple of pass deflections last season, uh, had a couple of sacks. And his pressure pressure numbers were close to average for the position, which is really solid for a nose tackle. So what um, is the average? um, The average pressure rate for interior D lineman was about 7% last year. And looking at nose tackles, it's more around four or 5%. And he was up in that 5% sort of range. So, um, so again, it's not necessarily saying he's good, but it's more like, you know, when he gets caught on the field in a passing play, he's not going to be as much of a liability as other guys are like take Damon Harrison, for example, amazing run defender. But if he gets caught on the field on a passing play, he's doing nothing. He's just taking up space. 
he's not going to beat anybody. But Fadakasi occasionally threw some nice moves last year and did some damage. So it's an underrated facet of his game that I think adds some value. And also, he is still a young player. I mean, he's going to be playing in a different scheme. Maybe he does pick up some some pass rushing tricks playing in this more downhill type of, of system that will give him, if he's on the field on a passing down, more opportunities to, to rush the passer. But we'll come back to that uh, in a minute. Let's go to the edge because I think the interior defensive line has been, as you said at the top of the podcast, the strength of this team for probably the last decade. And it certainly hasn't translated to wins. Although I think the Jets' interior defensive line, you can make the cases maybe better than it's ever been but the edge has always been the problem they haven't had the you know it's always the since john abraham they haven't had the edge rusher and finally the jets went out and got argue i think probably our favorite free agent out there on carl lawson um a legit edge rusher and although he didn't necessarily have the sack numbers last year he certainly um was effective at disrupting the pass Can you just talk about what the addition of carl lawson especially coming off the edge a position the jets have just not in anything really since john abraham if you want to give calvin pace some some credit um, but what is he going to bring to this defense and how does a, a, an edge rusher like him change a defense? Yeah, it, it means everything. And we talked about the lack of sacks with Franklin Myers. I think a guy like Carl Lawson is who is how you produce those sacks for the interior defensive line. And hopefully they come for Lawson himself just for the sake of him getting his recognition. Um, but regardless of whether or not they do, unless he's whiffing on sacks and we've talked about this on previous episodes, but for me, unless a guy is legitimately blowing sack opportunities, missing tackles on the quarterback, I don't think there is a lot of control over how many sacks I get because there's so many different factors that go into producing them. The only thing you can control is how much you win. How, many, how much do you beat the blockers in front of you and create pressure? And Lawson has been a lead at that for the Bengals. Um, he, did, he had very little help around him last season to create sacks, but he flat out destroyed tackles, left tackles. He always played on the right side. So he was always facing, you know, typically the team's best tackle on that blind side um, and did it all season. And he's, he has so many tools in his toolbox. His get off is great. He can win with power. He could, he wins a lot to the inside more so than the outside. I feel like um, he's a complete package, technique, speed, power. He's got it all. So he's going to be a huge game changer. And you mentioned him winning a lot towards the inside. We know Robert Saul loves to use some stunts. And I think when you have interior defensive right, linemen yeah. who are nimble and are good at rushing the passer, you can run those stunts, send Carl Lawson inside, send John Franklin Myers on the outside, and then you can really create an effective pass rush. I think the biggest question mark on this defensive line is, all right, well, you're only going to start four. We've talked about the interior defensive linemen. We'll talk a little bit how they rotate them. We know Carl Lawson's going to be playing that Leo role, rushing against the left tackle, that Nick Bosa role. Who's going to be the other defensive end? And I think the leading candidate right now is Vinnie Curry, former Eagle, had a relationship with Joe Douglas, has been rumored to the Jets for a while, a veteran on this team. And, and you know, this offseason, Joe Douglas brought him in. What does he bring? Is he just a veteran? Or do you think he can do a little bit more than just getting a few cleanup sacks and just filling a role? Yeah, I, I love Vinnie Curry. I've been talking about him like every free agency the past three years. Um, but you have to keep your expectations limited with him. I don't think he's going to get a ton of sacks. Um, he's never been a sack guy in his career. Uh, so I don't, wouldn't expect a ton of, he doesn't make a lot of big plays. He has two pass deflections in his career. He's one forced fumble over the past six years. He has one fumble recovery over the past six years. He had three sacks last year. He's not a big play guy, but what he does do 
is he does the dirty work at a very consistent rate. His pressure rate year after year is one of the best in the league at the position. And he mostly does it through his bowl rushing. He's a really strong guy on the edge. He's great at getting his hands into the chest of both tight ends. He, he's very good at being tight ends, uh, tight ends and tackles. And so he does a really good job squeezing the pocket. He's not going to win with speed around the edge too much. And like I said, he's not going to do anything that pops off the screen, but he's going to create pressure very consistently when he's in the game. Um, And he's not going to play a lot of snaps either. He typically plays less than half the game. uh, So there are going to be a lot of snaps available for other players, but that's what you're going to get with Vinnie Curry. Great consistency at the dirty work, which is just condensing the pocket making life tough on the quarterback, putting him in a phone booth and forcing him to step up into the pressure of those great guys in the interior. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that rotation in just a minute, but let's round out the defensive line. Um, Obviously Nathan Shepard and Jonathan Marshall round out the interior of the defensive line, Nathan Shepard, the uh, much chagrined third rounder direct pick after Sam Darnold in, in 2018. He's had his moments, um, but this might be his last chance to make the roster. Hell, he could even get cut. Jonathan Marshall, the sixth rounder this year, who um, didn't necessarily – I mean, he had some good pressure numbers and solid production at Arkansas, but he got drafted for his athletic profile. And then on the edge, a bunch of unknowns. I mean, who who is going to fill that depth spot? Who can slide in for Vinny Curry? There's Bryce Huff, Jabari Zuniga, um, who was the third-round pick last year, who didn't even play at all. Kyle Phillips, who seemed to be a bit of a Greg Williams favorite. Ronnie Blair, who's a Robert Sala favorite, and then Hamilcar Rashid Jr., an undrafted free agent from Oregon State. Um, so that rounds out the depth. I, I guess, how do you feel about the depth of this unit if we're going to lump all those guys into one quick player profile? I mean, how, how do you feel about the depth of this unit when you go into those, specifically at the edge position, a lot of question marks and unknowns there? Well, I, I think there's a lot of physical upside. All the And there's a lot of youth, too. So I think there is a lot of potential here in terms of the backups they have from Huff to Zuniga, even Kyle Phillips, Hamilcar Rashid Jr., um, Nathan Shepard and Jonathan Marshall. All these guys are generally uh, pretty young. The only exception really being Ronald Blair, who gives you, you know, some a little more – a little more. Uh, he's proven himself a little bit more. And While the favorite. rest of these guys are younger. And, and he, favorite of Sala. Yeah, and a favorite of Sala and knows the scheme. So he does give you a little bit of certainty. Um, but overall, a lot of traits, a lot of youth. So there's some upside here. And I feel like they're bound to hit on one or two of these guys. And they can provide you quality depth with however many snaps that they need to play, um, backing up the starters and even just in a rotational role. So um, I do like this depth from that perspective, uh, the upside part of the, of the equation. Yeah, and, and certainly the Jets, once again, and whether or not this is on purpose or not, they're trusting their coaching. And I do firmly believe that Robert Sala, especially on the defensive side of the ball, trusts his ability to develop players. And I think no position group in his defense, honestly, on this team as a whole, personifies his mantra of all gas, no breaks, then this defensive line. What do you think are the main schematic differences between this defensive line and the one that Greg Williams was employing because I do think there's going to be more opportunities for players like Quinnen to directly get after the pass rush. Well, I think with Greg, with Greg Williams, even though it was known as a three, four defense, I feel like he was very, very, it was very much a hybrid scheme. He mixed it up pretty well, but the difference is with this defense, I don't think it's going to be that it's going to be very strict four three 
Um, you're going to have two guys in the edge with their hands in the dirt. You're going to have a lot of four-man rushes, very few blitzes. That's going to be the biggest difference, I think. Um, Greg, we know, consistently near the top of the league when it comes to blitzing. This team's probably going to be near the bottom of the league, and, unless there are injuries. Salah showed last year he can adapt, and he will blitz a lot if he needs to. And we had big blitzers in Rex and Bowles, too, so it's been a long time since the Jets have been Yeah, outside. it's been a while, a very long time, definitely not you know, in at least the early part of my life when, and yours, in which this team was not running a three, four heavy blitzing defense, but it's finally going to be different. Um, not, not that that's bad, but you know, it's a change of pace now. Um, so, but anyway, Salah showed that he will blitz if he needs to, but the point of how they built this roster is so they can do what he did in 2019. And that's not blitz at all. So not at all, but just at a very low rate. Um, so I think that's going to be the biggest different, uh, difference. The pressure is going to be on these guys up front to create pressure uh, without the help of blitzing linebackers and blitzing defensive backs. It's going to be on them. Win your matchups and create pressure on your own. So I think that is the biggest different, uh, the biggest difference in this defensive scheme. These guys, they got to win their battles on their own, and it's not going to be schemed up for them. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot less gap-filling responsibilities. And when you look right. at a guy like Quinn and Williams, I think for as much of a breakout as he had from year one to year two, I think he can have a similar growth from year two to year three. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree because, like you said, it's going to be a more aggressive defense. They're going to, there's going to be less two-gapping, more one-gapping. You know, just hit your gap. You know, the A-gap is yours. Storm into there aggressively win it. It doesn't matter if you overrun your gap. You don't have to worry about run defense. The linebackers are going to clean that up, which is a big difference from, you know, engage your man, read the play. If it's a run play, you got to be able to cover both gaps. Um, so it's going to allow them to attack a lot more in the passing game. So the potential is definitely going to be there for him to put up even bigger numbers. And it's going to be fun to watch because with the technique that he showed last season, the ability to win with rip moves, just shoot the gap so quickly. Um, and another thing he did really well is when guys would overcompensate to block his first move, like say he is lined up at three tech and he attacks the B gap. When guys overcompensate to do what he does first, he had a counter ready and he would throw a hump move or a club or a swim and he would go the other direction and win that way. He really did a great job with counters. And that is going to explode in the scheme. So I agree with you. I could see a, another big leap coming this year. And although it was a different position slightly, I just remember the first thing I read out of um, once the Jets had hired uh, Greg Williams, and maybe it was a few months, was Miles Garrett talking about, obviously, a coaching staff that didn't really work out when it was just Freddie Kitchens in, I think, what, 2019. But he just talked about how much he felt he was going to be un unleashed now that he wasn't in Greg Williams' system, that he wasn't going to be tasked with thinking so much and he was just going to be able to get straight after the quarterback. Certainly that's going to help the young guys, but a guy like Quinnen, who just, like you said, has such a great pass rushing repertoire, who at times was kind of used in a uh, gap-filling, role-playing type of way. Obviously he got to flourish a lot more last year, but when we did our film review with Mike DeVito, especially as a rookie, and we're looking at him, it's like, and he's like, oh, well, he's taxed or he's uh, charged with uh, filling this gap here and taking these two guys out of the play. And it's like, well, that's all well and good, but you use the third overall draft pick on him. You want a complete difference maker. And Quinnen was able to do that in Greg Williams' system. 
Uh, and now that he's going to be able to go full out, all gas, no break, and Robert Sala's system, I really think you can see him take a huge, huge jump. I guess on the flip side of that, though, because it's not like Greg Williams' system didn't have its benefits. I would say generally they were very staunch against the run, partly because the defensive line was tasked with thinking a lot more. They weren't overcommitting. Do you think the run defense could suffer? Yeah, I do think the run defense is probably a question mark here because as with anything in football, there isn't there is no magic solution where it's like, oh, like this is one thing with the Adam Gase criticism I kind of think is a little bit off base is the thing with how much motion he runs. Yes, I think they should have done it more, but I feel like if it were this magic solution and it were it's just perfectly good and get, only gives you good results and every team in the league would be running it every single play and they don't. And there are a lot of offenses in the league that were good without running it. So th- that's just an aside point. Not that Adam Gase is good, but I'm just saying that. I'll leave that for now. It's <laughs> All I'm saying is that, you know, there's always a price to pay. If you're deciding to do one thing a little bit more, then you have to sacrifice something else. We should have put the value of motion in our debate episode a few days ago. Because yeah, I, that, I do disagree that, with you a little I, bit there. I think, it is, I think it is valuable. I definitely think they should run it more. All I'm saying is that. Well, I think Adam Gase did a lot of things that he should have been doing. And I don't think he just gets the pass because, you know, he's an NFL coach and he's not doing it. And I think there were plenty of times we could say, uh, Hey, Adam, if you do this, you might see a little bit more success and he wasn't doing it. So I don't know. I get what you're saying though, but it did seem like there was certainly an argument for a team that was lacking particular offensive talent to try to scheme up, you know, getting guys in motion, try to scheme up yards, but that's aside. Uh, it's aside the point, I, I guess, how much do you think, though, kind of getting back to what you're talking about, for all the talent that this Jets defensive line has, there's certainly a weakness on the back end, the secondary. And I like the safety position quite a bit. I think Marcus May is one of the better safeties in the league. I like LaMarcus Joyner's fit. I like Ashton Davis's potential. Well, I, I didn't get to my point on the run defense. Well, yet, hold on. So, oh, okay. okay, okay. Sorry, you had more on the run defense. My, my apologies. So the point I was making, like, yes, I should have run more motion but i'm just trying to use that as an example to to display like in terms of the run the attacking of this pass rush uh, you know letting the guys attack more there's a consequence to that everything you do in football every stylistic change is just that it's the style of how you do it it's not a magic solution to playing better football you gotta sacrifice something so in this defense when you're playing an attacking uh, style like that you're putting a lot of pressure on the linebackers to clean up in the run game because the defensive linemen are just attacking their gaps. They're not worried about taking up space. They're not worried about covering multiple gaps. The linebackers have a lot of pressure on them. So that's going to make this run defense um, potentially questionable because you have CJ Mosley. I trust he's going to do his job, but outside of him, a lot of question marks, right? There's no other proven players. So the run defense and also the guys up front as great as they are at pass rushing, Rankins and Franklin Myers are below average run defenders. Lawson is an average run defender. Curry is an average run defender. They don't really have as many great run defenders as they used to. Obviously Foley's in there, but he'll specifically uh, particularly be on being there on rundowns. Uh, so they have a lot of average run defenders. This is a defense that's going to put a ton of pressure on a linebacking group, on a linebacking group that's really unproven. So I can see the run defense being an issue. So that's basically the point I was getting at. Right. Whenever, no, no. whenever you decide to do one thing more, something else is going to compensate. So in the case of this defense, it's we're gonna they're gonna be really good at pass rushing. I have a, I would have a hard time seeing them not being 
a top five pass rushing team. But the cost of that, the way that they play, is that the run defense could sac- could be sacrificed a little bit. No, I, exactly. I think that's actually a, a great point you just made, especially about the linebackers, because it's a lot of weight on C.J. Mosley's shoulders. And if he's out there, I do think this unit is going to be fine against the – granted, I think worst case – well, I shouldn't say worst case scenario. Likely case scenario is they're average against the run. I don't think they're going to be – awful right, i, I think quinnon is good against the run I, you know i think they'll and especially cj mosley out there to have a veteran a quarterback in that role i think that's cj mosley's strength is kind of identifying that gap and getting after it and, and stopping the yeah. run so i think i'm very confident in that and i also think gerard davis is going to fit um quite well in that strong side role and and be able to help uh, against the run as well but that weak side role and especially if there's injuries uh, to those other two guys we just mentioned it's like not only do the jets have a rookie going to start most likely starting at weak side linebacker. Not only is it a late round rookie, it's probably going to be a guy who hasn't even really played linebacker before. So it's just going to be a completely inexperienced weak side linebacker, whether it's Nostaltine, whether it's Sherwood, even if it's Cashman who has a little bit of experience, they're all inexperienced. And you have, these are some of the lumps that you're talking about when, when Saul is talking about starting rookies and they're hell on wheels you're going to see Nasruddin. You're going to see Sherwood. You're going to see him overcommit. You're going to see him run out of a play. You're going to see him make mistakes, especially in those first, you know, six, eight games. It's towards the second half of the season. Hopefully they can get it together. And that's, I guess, a good thing because, you know, you have to, be, if you want to have any chance of the playoffs, and I'm not saying the Jets should have that expectation on him, but you have to be able to stop the run in December. I mean, that's, if you look at all these teams that sneak into the playoffs, it's teams who can run the football and stop the run. The Jets have been, very good at, at stopping the run in recent years, but um, I, I think that's a great point you're making that they're going to sacrifice a lot of that to get after the quarterback, which hell is, is the name of today's game. Um, but a lot of that success is predicated on the back end. I was getting to it a little bit earlier. I like the safety position and the cornerback position. Let's not delude ourselves. Sure. There's some guys with plenty of potential. There's Bryce Hall. There's bless Austin. There's Isaiah Dunn. There's Brandon Eccles, there's Michael Carter, uh, Jason Pinnock. I mean, there's plenty of great, I shouldn't even say it's great, some fun, talented players that we'll talk about in two weeks on our positional group. But how much of this defensive line's success is predicated on the secondary? Or is it kind of vice versa? Or does it not really matter as much that it's like, hey, if you can get after the quarterback, you're going to help out the the secondary? Well, I I think the whole point of, playing this scheme and and this style is so that the defensive line is dictating things and does have control over the secondary instead of the other way around. If you're playing um, a three, four defense, the way the jets have played recently, then I think the secondary is a little bit more control over control over things and has more impact on the D line because when you're two gapping, you're sort of reading blocks and reading the play a little bit more, then you need a little bit more time to get into your rush but if you're just attacking from the start with that aggressive mindset, then you have the control over the rep. It's on you to win. It's on you to not force the defense, the guys in the back end to have to cover that much. So uh, I, I do feel like the whole idea with this, uh, with playing defense in this way is to build your defense around talent on the defensive front and give those guys the opportunity to control everything and let the secondary feed off of that. Who do you think is the, the starting for opening day? We're saying first down. We, we'll talk about third down in a second, but first down across the board, who do you think starts hand in the dirt? 
I would I would say I think it has to be Quinnen Rankins on Quinnen and Rankins on the inside. Quinnen at three tech, Rankins at one tech, and then Lawson and Curry on the edges. Would you agree with that? I would. So you would say because going back to the, your earlier point, how Quinnen had so much success or more success, I should say, in the three tech and not as much in the you know, one tech zero tech type of role you would say out of all those guys that Rankins is probably best suited to be the counterpart to, to Quinnen on the interior. Yeah, I guess it depends. It could be a rotation between him and Foley, depending on the game situation, because Rankins, even though he's a pass rush first guy, really good athlete, he, he does mostly play on the inside. He has a lot of nose tackle experience on um, one tech. He's really versatile. He can play all, all the way up the line. Um, but I, I think he does really good in that role. Foley, obviously, that's his home. Franklin Myers is also a three-tech primarily, and obviously he has that five-tech experience. He's not a guy you necessarily want all the way on the inside. Um, so that's why it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up, but I think Rankins probably is the go-to guy opposite Quinnen, but I, I would, would think it would be very situation-dependent between him and Foley. Well, here's... I guess a concept we should throw out now. You, you talk about Vinny as the opposite to Carl Lawson at that edge spot. And we talk about how good John Franklin Myers was last year, albeit in that three tech role. If you think Rankins is going to start on the inside and your goal is to get the best four defensive linemen out there, Franklin Myers has experience in that five tech. Robert Sala has typically liked the bigger five tech defensive ends because he's just going to leave them out there and stick in that base personnel do you think there's a chance that John Franklin Myers may end up starting instead of Vinnie Curry at the defensive end spot? And then maybe on third downs, they can bump him inside or do whatever they want and put Vinnie Curry out there. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a possibility as well. And he, he could play the Eric Armstead role. Armstead kind of has a similar framed Franklin Myers in terms of weight. He's at 292 pounds. So also in that tweener range between defensive tackle and D end, and he's been a really good end slash edge defender uh, for the 49ers. So uh, I could see Frank Myers doing that too, but I, I do think it will be um, on, on running downs or against bigger packages, you know, two tight ends, or if there's a fullback in the game, um, that's when you'll specifically see Franklin Myers on the edge. Cause you have more size out there because when he's playing on the edge, now he's a big player for that position versus when he's inside, he's small for that spot. So I think running situations when you want more size in the field, that's when we'll, when we'll primarily see him out there. But like you said that I do think the possibility exists that he just is that full-time edge defender. So we'll see if the jets go that direction. I, I think he is. If, as far as my prediction for the starting four, I'd say, they start the season with John Frankenmeyer's at that five tech, Carl Lawson and Leo. I think they go Quinnen and probably Sheldon as well. Um, there's the question about Foley, which is if you are worried about the run defense, which maybe this is a counter a few weeks into the season if they are struggling against the run a lot. Maybe you do play Foley quite a bit. Give him an opportunity to get as we kind of talked about earlier, he's still a young player. He can develop more pass rushing moves. He does have a bit of a repertoire and it's first, second down. He's not playing him on third down. You can still get him out there. It might be a bit of a different role for him, but he can handle the middle of the defense. 
you know, help plug some of those run, um, those running lanes and you can still play John Franklin Myers on the outside. And, and then I think the jets have, have done a good job of just beefing up on the defensive line as, as their counter um, to their run defense. What do you think about fully fought Acosta's usage? How, how much do you think he gets used this season and, and, and when? Well, I think primarily to start out, he's going to be used in a pretty small role where it's specifically for running downs, which is where he was at the beginning of last season when he was only playing about 30% of the snaps. But later in the season, Foley was playing, uh, specifically in games where Quinton was hurt, um, he was playing over 50% of the snaps, even up to 68 69% at most. Um, so I'm not sure that's ideal to start. You'd prefer to just have Rankins play and the run defense be okay. But I do think Foley is capable of doing that because of the underrated pass rushing that I talked about. Um, I pulled up the numbers here. I did a whole film breakdown and article on it at Jets X Factor. Um, but so there were 27 defensive tackles last year, qualified players that played more snaps against the run than against the pass. So this is essentially your nose tackles, your Foley Fadakasis of the league who are out there for stopping the run. And of those 27 players, Fadakasi had the third most pressures and the fifth best pass rushing grade. So among those tackles, his pass rushing is really top notch, like I was mentioning before. So he's more capable of surviving in passing situations than most other guys who are built like him, have a skill set like him. So I think, like you mentioned, that possibility is on the table too. If your run defense is really struggling, make Foley that primary guy who's playing 50, 60% of the snaps because I think he can survive. He can give you that elite run defense at, you know, throughout the majority of the game if you need it, if you really need it to fix your run defense. But he can do it while not sacrificing as much in the passing game as most other nose tackles would. So that's a good idea. I would keep that in the back of our minds. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think Foley does have a bit of a bigger role. I don't think, well, I shouldn't say it, it might be a bit premature to say that I, I, I don't know if he's going to get brought back next year because I think he is good enough to start for sure um, on a three, four team. Um, so either he doesn't get the opportunities um, here and he probably goes elsewhere. Either he does get the opportunities and he doesn't perform very well. And then in which case you'd probably let him go or he gets the opportunities and performs you know, adequately, in which case I think the Jets might get outpriced because he's not necessarily the the ideal scheme fit. So I don't know. I think this could be Foley's last year, but you're right. If he has a bit more success, um, then I think they should keep, look to keep him around. But definitely rundowns, first and second down, I don't think he's going to be taken out of the rotation. He's just too good and, and too good at what this Jets defensive line is not as good at. Before we get more to the edge, I just do have one more note, I guess, on John Franklin Myers playing that edge spot because you do sound pretty certain that Rankin's is the best counterpart to Quinnen specific, I guess on third down is, is what we would be talking about on third downs. It sounds like you think Rankins and Quinnen inside is, is the way to go. So that does kind of make me think then when does John Franco Myers get in the field? If you're not going to play him on the edge, how do you rotate him on inside? Do you, do you try to play him on third down um, opposite Quinnen? Do you just keep rotating him? Um, is he more of the first and second down type of guy? I mean, how would you rotate the interior to that defensive line if John Franklin Myers isn't your plan at edge? Because in my personal opinion, I just think you want to get him on the field as much as possible. I think he can and is certainly suited to be that five tech. Why not play him there? You can slide him inside on a rotational basis if you want. But 
how do you see them rotating those those three guys or those two guys between uh, Rankins and, and John Franklin Myers? Well, I think third down is when Franklin Myers can get inside. And I think the way you do it is by putting Quinn in at one tech. And like I said, that's not his strength, but he's not necessarily bad there. It's just he's at his best at three tech. But Quinton can play one tech for you. He can play nose tackle for you. So I think passing situations, that's when Franklin Myers kicks inside the three tech. Curry's out there on the edge. Bryce Huff could also play that role sometimes um, just to rotate with Curry and keep both guys fresh. Um, so I think your third down ideal four-man rush is Lawson, either Curry or Huff on the edge opposite him, and then Quinn on the inside, Franklin Myers at three tech. And then also you have Rankins in that mix as well. It's not like you're throwing the same thing out every single time. Rankins can play three or, or one for you. And Quinnen can play both of those spots. So um, there's a lot of flexibility with this group. And that's a really great thing to have. So, uh, But I think Franklin Myers on third down should be very heavily used. Because in obvious passing situations, you want him out there, wherever it is. And I think the best way to distribute it, um, distribute pass rushing talent in a third down situation or obvious passing situation would be to place him inside with Quinn and Williams and then get one of your situational pass rushers on the edge. Just a lot of exciting possibilities, especially in that interior. You can go big, really big, and you can have John Franklin Myers on the outside. You can put Foley and Quinn and inside, have Carl outside. You know, the way the lineup you're speaking of is more Vinny and Carl uh, as the edge rushers. You have Rankins and Quinn inside. Um, and then on third down, you slide Quinn into the one tech, you boot Rankins out and you put John Franklin Myers inside. There's just a lot of exciting possibilities. I think the other piece of that is that other edge spot opposite Carl. We've been talking about Vinny Curry there, but certainly there's an opportunity for somebody to step up. Um, I, I, we've been talking about Vinny Curry and John Franklin Myers, but while I think the defensive line is the strongest point of the team, I still think the receiver spot is deeper because look, you're one Carl Lawson injury away. It may be even another Vinny Curry injury away. These injuries happen. Sometimes a position gets decimated and then it's like, okay, who are we throwing out there? Are we starting Bryce Huff and Zuniga? Are we start, you know, with Ronnie Blair, who are we throwing out there? I guess, how do you see that depth filling out? Um, who do you think can step up as that depth at the edge? Do you think there's anybody in that group um, of Bryce Huff, Jabari Zuniga, Kyle Phillips, Ronnie Blair, and, and Hamilcar Rashid that, could not only step up as depth if someone were to, were to go down, but maybe carve out a role for themselves as a situational edge rusher. Well, I think there are a few different particular skills here that we can feel pretty good about. I think Kyle Phillips has shown us that he's a good run defender on the edge. He hasn't shown much of anything in the passing game, but in an obvious rushing situation, he has great size and a great motor that you want out there on the edge, especially if it's a, a a heavy tight end look if there's two tight ends out there um phillips when he's playing nine tech when he's playing over a tight end he's really good in that role um ronald blair a lot of the same great run defender doesn't give you much in the passing game but in a rushing situation get him out there um he can set the edge and make plays and then bryce huff in the passing game uh, i think he still has a little bit more to prove because it was a, a fairly small sample in this rookie season um but Huff was really efficient in games where he didn't play that much. When he had less than 15 pass rush snaps, his pressure rate was really good. It was well above average. Uh, in games where he played more than that, then he was pretty well below average. So 
I think he showed that he can be at least a good situational pass rusher. That's why I mentioned him uh, as a potential option along with Vinnie Curry in those passing situations. So uh, I feel like that's one of the reasons to be excited about this depth chart, because I don't know if any of these guys are going to develop into starters one day, Phillips Huff. And there's another guy who was so quiet last season. I haven't even mentioned him yet, but I'll get to him. Um, Huff Phillips, Jabari Zuniga is that quiet guy. I don't know if these players will really let the audience sit on that one. Yeah. (laughs) That was a bad setup, but, but these guys, I don't know if they're going to develop the starters down the line, which is why the jets need to address edge next year, uh, a guy opposite Lawson, but there are things they do well that you can rely on except Zuniga. Um, But Huff Phillips Blair, I feel like they bring one skill to the table. You can rely on in terms of Zuniga. That's a big question mark. Is he even going to make the team? Because his film last He'll year... make the team. He's a third-round pick from Joe Douglas. He's making the know. team. I don't know. He's making the team. I there's don't no know. chance he gets... I mean, well, I shouldn't say there's no chance. Joe Douglas did cut Ja'Kai Polite, but that was not his pick. He's making the team. Last year was a redshirt. He didn't even get a whole offseason. He's uh, making the I, team. Look, I think he'll make the team. I just... Is it 100%? I don't, I I don't know. 90, Maybe it's 95%. 95%. Chance he makes the team. I'm just gonna leave five percent. I agree. Just in case, because it's a new coaching staff, that's the only reason I would. But I still think he can. How do you think he could fit? I guess from what you saw of him in college, how do you think he could fit into this defense? Do you think the Jets can get anything out of him? And if so, what would his role? What do you think his role could be? I mean, I do think this is a good scheme for him. I think that's probably because there were a lot of reps last season where he was standing up as an outside linebacker on the edge, that is just not his thing. I, I don't know why they're playing him in that role. He, he does not have the speed or the athleticism to be doing that. But when his hand is in the dirt, he can do a little bit more. He has a little bit of power. Um, we saw some of it in college, not a lot of it last year, but um, I think this is the right scheme for him where he can play with his hand in the dirt on the edge. But last year he showed – Pretty much nothing. There was he didn't play a lot. He only played eight games, a little bit over a hundred snaps, but there there wasn't really anything to hang your hat on. So I don't think he's ever going to be a good pass rusher. But hopefully he can. It's one season, and as Quinn improved anything, okay. Look, think it makes. I can't just be completely optimistic about every single player in the roster. I don't think this guy's going to be good. I'm not saying okay. That's fair. That's fair to say you think. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that I don't know if there's enough. I'll say this. I would agree with you. I don't think, I I don't think he's probably going to be much. But I don't. I'm, I guess my point is, there's not really enough evidence to say one way or another. The only evidence you have is that he didn't play. I did. And, I I said I don't think. I didn't okay. say. All right. He you didn't say it. Be. Absolute. I, I, yeah, I think that uh, you have to give him a bit of a pass because they didn't really have much of an offseason last year. It's a different scheme. He's a rookie. If Quinn improves anything, it can be tough on rookie defensive linemen. So I'd give him this year. You know, he did make a few plays in minicamp with no pads and <laughs> whatever, but I think out of everybody on that depth spot, I know I, I do like Bryce Huff, friend of the podcast. Uh, I think, I don't think there's anybody on this roster unless they have a, just a monster preseason that's really going to bump him off. Because when you look at the edge spot, Lawson and Curry are locks. And then there's Huff, Zuniga, Phillips, Blair, and Hamill Karashi Jr. So I guess I should ask you this first. How many total defensive linemen, interior and edge, do you think the Jets keep? And then I guess we can continue this conversation a little bit. But how many defensive linemen do you think they keep? And who do you think gets bounced? 
they're gonna have to make a tough decision somewhere because this is both units are really deep. Um, specifically, I don't know about both. Well, it's, I think they're deep, deep. Their deep edge is deep in the sense that they're all these guys in the depth chart are in the same boat. That's more so what I mean. It's not deep in the sense that you'd consider right. this good depth. You have a bunch of mystery boxes. Right. It's more so just the fact that none of these, you have five guys who are kind of in the same boat between Huff, Zuniga, Phillips, Blair. And I guess you can throw Rashid in there just because based, it's so Based off pedigree though, Zuniga should be number one on that list. You, you, he is a third round draft pick. Was he picked? He was this, Davis was picked first, right? Out of the three. Yeah. Out of the two, I mean. Okay, so but he's still a third round draft pick, so yeah. So I think I don't think Rashid's going to make the team, but hey, practice squad baby. Yeah, the practice he'll be on the practice squad, but interior D line. I think you'll have six guys. I think I think Shepard's going to get cut. I think Marshall's going to be kept over him, and it's it's kind of just a indication of the talent of this unit. I mean, Shepard can be a good third best interior lineman on a lot of teams third or fourth best but i think they'll lean towards uh the pick of the new regime the much younger guy and marshall um who i also think is probably a better nose tackle fit and looking for looking to the future that's probably what you want to replace fully if you don't retain him after this season when he's a free agent so i feel like shepherd will be cut um so they'll keep six interior guys and then on the edge It'll probably be another six, and that would leave. I guess Rashid will well, be only cut. five. That's only Sorry. five on, on no, the interior, interior Quinnen, Quinnen, Rankins, Quinnen, Franklin, Rankins. Myers, Foley, and Marshall. That's five. You're cutting Shepard. Okay, so I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> These are gonna be. This is the tough conversations that are clearly had clearly we didn't do this before the podcast. But this makes it raw and authentic. It makes it better. Um, all right, you you lay out your predictions. I need look to at that. Look at that cop out. I I didn't make mine either. Fine, I'll talk myself through it. Well, typically, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what I'll task you with while I stall. How many defensive linemen did the Niners keep last year? Because that's always a good place to start with a new coach. Is look in general, and it it changes just on um, training camp and whatnot. Um, but I do think that this is the strength of the team, and I do think a guy like Shepard, like you said, is is a contributor. And Rankins has had some injury issues, so I don't think they'd necessarily be opposed to keeping six interior defensive linemen, but I think the rule of thumb has always been like 10, right? 10 or 11. Uh, so the Niners only had nine defensive linemen so, on the okay. roster. Last I think season. the Jets will keep 10. I think the Jets will keep 10. How many of them were edge versus interior? So I th- all right, so let's say they go 10. Well, so how I- many, wait, how many of those guys do you, do you know? How many were difference between edge versus interior defensive line uh, so they had four interior five edge okay i think i think they go 10 and i think they go five and five like okay wait, hold on obviously we have quinn and rankins jfm foley and curry you can just put those to the side we'll put a pin in shepherd right now um wait did i yeah i messed it up quinn and rankins jfm foley and marshall sorry we'll put a pin in shepherd for now we know we've lost in curry so that's seven I think Huff and Zuniga make it. That's nine. And then it's, do you take Shepard or do you take Ronnie Blair, Kyle Phillips, or Hamilcar Rashid? I think they go Ronnie Blair. So I think you're right. I think Shepard gets cut, and I think Blair sticks as the 10th. So just to recap, to give you a second, 
Uh, on the interior, I think they go Quinnen, Rankins, John Franklin Myers, Foley Fadakasi, and Jonathan Marshall. On the edge, I think they go Carl Lawson, Vinny Curry, Bryce Huff, Jabari Zuniga, and Ronnie Blair. And I think Hamilcar goes to the practice squad. I think Phillips doesn't make the team, obviously. And I think that Shepard um, finds another spot as you know on another team. But I think Blair is a, a coach's favorite scheme fit, and I think he can he has more versatility than Shepard. I think you could move him inside if needed. And I think just because of the uncertainty at that other edge spot, I like Vinny Curry, but you know, there's some uncertainty there. I think you want to keep an extra body just to keep it fresh and sub guys in. What do you think? I think that's the most likely. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go bold though, just for the sake of switching it up. So interior D lineman, I'll agree with you. Quinn and Rankins, JFM Foley and Jonathan Marshall. Okay. And on the edge, Lawson, Curry, Huff, Blair. I'm gonna go bold here. I'm gonna say Phillips makes it over Zuniga. So five, the five percent chance. The five percent chance. I'm gonna say it comes true. This is the the one scenario where it happens. Well, not one. We're saying five percent. That's that's non-zero. That's a pretty decent chance. Five out of a hundred times. Yeah, I, I. I certainly, if Zuniga is terrible in training camp and preseason, it's a new coaching staff. I think, yeah, maybe it's a little higher than temp- or 5% just because of that. But pedigree alone, Joe Douglas pick, he's flashed a little. I've heard, I've read his name in a tweet in April so or in May. <laughs> so I think there's, he's at least done something. I don't think you could say that about Kyle Phillips, to be fair. Can't say that about Kyle Phillips. I think he, he may have been hurt. I don't want to speak out of turn here. I can't remember if he was in the, well, I was going to say maybe he was hurt. I'll make one counter argument to, to both you and I in cutting Shepard that clearly, and this is, I'm just trying to think devil's advocate for myself here. Clearly the interior is the strength of this defensive line rather than the edge. And so while one rule of thought, which is the one that I'm going with is that, you know, because there's question mark in the edge, you want to keep as many bodies and maybe somebody's going to hit. But the other way to look at it is look, you got the strength of your interior and a guy in John Franklin Myers might be your starting edge rusher. So you can even count him as a hybrid edge interior defensive lineman. So you keep Shepard, you're counting John Franklin Myers as an edge, and then you're going to cut off that list probably Ronnie Blair. So I, I think it is going to come down to – I mean, I, Bryce Huff isn't safe either, and like you said, Zuniga isn't either. But I think in my estimation, it's going to come down between Ronnie Blair and Nathan Shepard. And I just think that Ronnie Blair's got that coach's – Hart, I mean, he's Robert Sala loves him. I, I don't want to butcher the quote, but I'm pretty sure he said, if you want to win football games, you want Ronnie Blair, something to that effect. So, um, you know, unless an injury happens, I, I think that's your defensive line. The last question for you, Michael. Statistical bold predictions for this unit. I want you to be bold. On the stat sheet, you're the numbers guy. You're the analytics guy. How do you think this unit fares in 2021? I'm... I'm going to say the Jets, I hesitate with the sacks. I don't want to go too high in terms of the sacks, but in terms of, I'm going to say quarterback hits, in terms of pressures, I think they rank top three in both of those categories. Bold. Very bold. How do you think they do against the run? Run, I think they'll be somewhere in the 12 to 14 range because we talked about some of the weaknesses before, but – you still have Quinn and Williams, who, again, like I said, most run stops per game in his position last year. You still have Foley, second highest graded run defender last year uh, at his position. 
still have CJ Mosley. Those are three elite run defenders. So they can make up a lot of the ground in terms of the scheme and also a lot of the below average and mediocre guys around them. So I think it'll still be above average, just not elite like usual. So I'll say 14th. I agree. I, I, I yeah, I'd go 15th between 14 and 16. Um, I think, and this kind of goes back to your earlier point, just to close it up here when you were talking about sacks and the only thing you can control is winning your rep. I think the, lack of good corner right play I, is going to is say. going to point. hurt the sack number but i think the jets are going to be fairly high in pressures so i think it i'm going to try i'm not trying to be i we do these podcasts and i talk myself and it sounds like the jets are going to be a super bowl team so i have to be realistic here i think it's going to be somewhat frustrating because i do think i do firmly believe in this defensive line and in the scheme and the players that they have that uh, i think they're going to be i think they're going to be proficient in getting pressures. I think they're going to pressure the quarterback quite a bit. I think they're going to be towards the top of the league. Hell, I'll even say, I'll say top three, like kind of like what you were saying in pressures, but I think in sacks, they're, you know, maybe going to be top 10. I mean, I know I just predicted their sacks and I think I had them towards the top of the league. I'll say they're around maybe 12 or 11 or something. I just think the, the difference in pressures and sacks is going to come down to the secondary play. And especially early on in the season, it's going to be frustrating because quarterbacks are just going to get the ball out of their hand fast. It won't matter if Carl Lawson is, is bearing down to the quarterback and you can count that as a win and you can count that as a pressure because, you know, I don't trust whoever the jets have a corner at this moment in time. Right. I agree too. I think that's the biggest limiting factor in the sacks is you really need coverage to pick up sacks. It's a huge part of it. So a very high portion of sacks are because the quarterback doesn't have somewhere to go with the ball. So there's time for them to get home. So I think that's going to limit the sacks, but these guys are going to win. It's just hard to not see them being a great pass rushing team because these guys are proven. Carl Lawson is proven. He's been, an elite pass rusher in terms of his pressure efficiency all four years of his career. Quinn Williams is only one season, but he was the number three pick. So you assume, you know, he has the talent to keep continue doing what he did last season. Franklin Myers was only one season, but he was so elite that it's hard for it to be an outlier. Even if he does decline, he's so good. Rankins has been consistently good. Curry has been consistently good. So the floor is really high for this group. As high as the ceiling is, it's just hard for them to not be really good because they have so many guys who are just proven good pass rushers. So the pass rush for this team is, it's going to be really good. It's hard not for it not to be. Absolutely. All gas, no break. That's been the mantra and it's none truer than for this position group. I really think this is going to be a unit that gets out of it after it. And I think it's going to carry um, this defense in 2021 you can follow us at 20 uh, jesus you can follow us at cyj pod on twitter you can follow michael at michael underscore nania you can follow myself at ben w blessington we were so close michael without making a mistake one one mistake i, I think you said deference at one point so there's two mistakes in this podcast what, what, what did i say you said like deference or something i don't know i actually remember that i did say that something like that something along <laughs> those lines go to jetsextractor.com for the best jets content out there we will be back on Monday. Monday, yeah, that's that's a date um, for our, our regular weekly podcast. Uh, and then we'll continue this next week with our positional breakdown. We'll be back on Thursdays. Um, 
Going back to the offensive side of the ball with the tight ends, which is going to be an interesting position. We're going from arguably the best position on the team to the worst position on the team. So stay tuned for that. Everybody have a great weekend. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. The punter to beat and the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.